Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Coming AFC to you West Show. Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the AFC West Show. We're coming to you live here in the 2015 preseason. We are back and broadcasting, getting the preseason of the AFC West football talk going. Once again, as I said, we are getting things started. You might have noticed there's no bumper music this week. As we get the new studio set up, next week we do hope to uh, have all the kinks worked out. But uh, here in the new studio for 2015, I'm joined, as always, by the co-host, Daryl. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, Darren, and it's been quite a while. We took an extended vacation, got a little time away. Let the NFL kind of sort through what it's doing, all sorts of things. And, you know, we left before the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl with Deflate Gate. And I guess we come back with Deflate Gate. And so I'm sure people are up to date with this. It's been the butt of many jokes, uh, pun intended. And I don't know. One day you hear one thing, another day another, uh, you hear something different. But it does sound like lately the judge is saying that there might be some problems with the NFL's case. And so, Darren, is this going to go anytime soon, or what are we looking at here? Are we going to start the season with Deflategate? You know, I think both sides have dug in. I don't see anything happening anytime soon. I think it would be the best interest of the NFL to go, let's get this, uh, get this behind us, go ahead and, uh, and get on with the season, not have it looming over. But you know what? Unfortunately, I think both sides have lawyered up and dug in pretty deep. And, well, we uh, we have nothing but uh, hot air that's uh, happening right now between these lawyers. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to make this a legal show because we have no expertise in that. You might, but I, I certainly don't. So uh, I, I'm ready for this to be done. I wish that Tom Brady would have just stepped up and said, hey, you know, I like the ball a little deflated, and I didn't realize it was a big deal. My bad. Uh, let's move on. But he didn't, and so we'll see what happens. But the NFL and uh, everybody that was waiting during the offseason, that was something to talk about. But we have real things to talk about. Darren, there was a Hall of Fame in- induction in Canton, Ohio, and one of the AFC West uh, team members was inducted. You know, uh, we did have the Hall of Fame and to Junior Seau, who is now eligible five years after retirement, was inducted. A couple of of snafus, uh, perhaps, by the Hall in this uh, in this year's ceremony. First of all, and I think foremost, is the fact that uh, they have a rule that states that family members cannot speak on behalf of uh, deceased players. So uh, players who are deceased. You know, unfortunately, they don't aren't able to be uh, inducted by their family. With that, so they had to skirt around the issue a little bit by having the announcers uh, interview Junior Seau's daughter rather than just have uh, Junior Seau's daughter get up and give a uh, acceptance speech. And it just seemed a little bit awkward. I think she did a fine job, really uh, going over stuff. I understand there's some legal issues with the uh, pending concussion lawsuit, but at the same time, you know, let, let's have uh, have the family go ahead and talk. He was such a uh, important part of the uh, football league for a good amount of time. 
You know, he really was, and I agree. I I, I think that that's a, a bad rule, especially somebody that went out on such a tragic note. I, I get the idea that perhaps there might be things said, but there's ways to get around it, things that can be done to ensure that it, it stays short and sweet. But somebody that meant as much the game, I mean, you're getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. That should speak volumes. Random people don't get inducted. Uh, Junior Seau, nobody would deny that he was one of the most fun-loving and fearsome foes on the on the field and meant so much not only to the community but also to the NFL. And for his daughter to be able to say a few words would have been wonderful. I appreciate that she was able to be on the TV broadcast, but it it should have been able to have her speak up there. Now, Derek, can you tell me, uh, could another person, maybe a coach, speak for, for Junior Seau instead? Would that have been a possibility? Do you know? You know, I'm not familiar with the rule on, on that. How about yourself? I'm I'm not either, and so I don't know whether – it's just an induction with with uh, the NFL giving the the fanfare, or whether a coach or somebody else could actually stand up for them and speak for them. Maybe it's just a, a thing on uh, families not being able to. But uh, that'd be something to look into. I don't want to bog us down, but there's been a lot of things going on that we need to get into with these teams. And Darren, let's go ahead without further ado. Maybe you know. Why don't we start with Kansas City? There's a lot going on in Kansas City, and, and I think we should start there. Well, you know, uh, Kansas City had a, a interesting offseason. They were coming off of a, a season that they underperformed after making the playoffs uh, two years ago. Last year was supposed to be a, a big year for them, and uh, unfortunately they just didn't have the kind of, of season that they were hoping to have. So uh, they went into the off season in need of, of some areas there that uh, they were hoping to really firm up. You know, the the uh, Chiefs were needing to get a cornerback, uh, offensive line, inside linebacker to really try and make uh, make their team solid, especially with the uh, with the absence of Eric Berry last year that they really felt who'd been out with cancer, uh, leukemia. Any news on whether they were able to uh, fulfill any of those needs? Well, you know, they they did draft two cornerbacks. As far as I can remember, it's hard to, to be completely clear because Kansas City Chiefs drafted nine uh, picks from this last draft. Two of them were cornerbacks. The first-round pick, I, I don't want to get too bogged down. As we go along through training camp, we can maybe talk about some of the other positions. But the first-round pick was cornerback Marcus Peters, and and, um, you know, he was a standout player, didn't get along with the coaching staff at his college and was dismissed from the team, but was picked in the first round. And I believe it was around number 19. Uh, I might be off one pick there. But he's supposed to be quite the talent and is looking sharp. And so they're excited. But I want to piggyback on that and just say that good news, Eric Berry is back. Uh, he's cleared from his cancer treatments, and he's back on the team. It looks like he'll he'll be playing more and more as the preseason goes on, as far as I know. And and I might be out of the loop on some some new developments, but the last I heard recently, he's back in action. And so that's a great thing, and we want to just say congratulations to Eric Berry. You know, he certainly uh, certainly has 
uh, come back and it uh, looks like you will be playing. So great news on that. They have had a couple of struggles here earlier in camp uh, with their offensive line. Uh, we mentioned the offensive line, you know, Eric Fisher with the sprained ankle um, and then Jeff Allen with a sprained knee. Both of those are, are areas of concern if you are a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. You know, they do have Jamal Charles there uh, running the ball, but uh, one of the areas that uh, they, they have, you know, been uh, been questionable with has been the quarterback. And if you don't have a solid offensive line there, you know, I, I do think that they have a few issues in in that uh, area there. So something that uh, we'll definitely want to keep an eye on, like you said. I don't know that uh, there's a lot uh, that we want to get bogged down, who's been doing well, who hasn't in camp. But uh, I know that the Raiders were a team that uh, has gone through a multitude of changes in the offseason. Uh, you know, they they have the conversation about whether or not they will be staying in uh, Oakland or not. They have the uh, the needs of the team, which at the end of the last season were, were quite a number of them. You know, uh, the major ones, uh, for some reason, as always, the wide receivers are an issue with Oakland uh, and, and their style of offense. Also then, a defensive end and, and some offensive line help mainly at the guard position with areas that uh, they were really looking to try and, and shore things up. But uh, what can you tell us out of Oakland? Well, the first thing is that uh, immediately following Denver's departure from the playoffs, and we'll get to Denver towards the end of our broadcast, um, immediately following the, the, the departure of Denver from the playoffs, Jack Del Rio made it very clear, or not made it very clear, but it was announced that he was going to be the coach for the Raiders. It had been speculated that he was courting that job. Um, and as I said, we'll talk more about some of the coaching staff issues in, in Denver later on. But he has gone, and, and Oakland seems to be loving him. Denver and the fans from Denver don't seem to miss him one bit. Uh, I think he had worn out his welcome. He wanted to be a head coach, and he got that job. And so we'll see how that goes there. They're excited, and everything's roses right now. Uh, there's a few things going on. You mentioned the Carson or the Oakland experiment. Uh, is Oakland really going to get a stadium in, in Carson? And that will come up again when we talk about the Chargers because they're kind of linked on that. Oakland, you, you mentioned the wide receiver place. Uh, so I don't want to go into that in any detail, but Trent Richardson has washed back up on an NFL team, and it's Oakland. He found his way as a backup running back there. We'll see if he makes it. He's been kind of a disappointment in the last two places that he's been. So Oakland has resurrected some people, but that seems like a distant memory compared to the recent record of Oakland. You know, the interesting thing is Devin Wiley, and, uh, or Devon Wiley, I believe, I, I might not be pronouncing that right, but he was a former teammate of Derek Carr at Fresno State, and he's had quite a um, quite a ride to the NFL. He's trying to make the team, and and so <clears throat> we'll see what happens. There's a connection there. Uh, he was called back to the Raiders just recently and made a rushed trip. He basically took a car. He was unable to uh, – he didn't have a car. He was unable to take public transit, and he had to Uber four and a half hours from his home uh, or to his home in Sacramento, and then he was ready to get back to join the, the Raiders. And so little planes, trains, and automobiles. 
what else would a little rust journey be uh, for the NFL and for a, a person that wants to make a team? Here's your chance. You've got about three and a half, four weeks. You can make a million dollars or not. And so we'll keep an eye on Devin Wiley and see if he has a, a special connection with David Carr. Or, no, I'm sorry, Derek. Uh, it would be interesting if he was with David because that would be pretty tough. He's out of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, interestingly enough, um, Andre Holmes, their one wide receiver who they were counting on a bit this year, he uh, broke his hand, uh, it was announced today, and will be out four to six weeks. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, they did get Amari Cooper, that stud wide receiver uh, from Alabama, which uh, to a lot of people is no surprise. And then also uh, Andre DeBose, they they got out a late round seventh pick uh, out of Florida, and he has had a, a semi uh, promising camp according to to some people. So just a little uh, a little note about the uh, Oakland Raiders on that. Um, you know they they are getting close to wrapping up. I know that uh, with their camp. Uh, Been very very happy with uh, with what has gone. So that uh, that has been one of those areas that um, you know uh, it'll be interesting to see. Del Rio has a lot of uh, interesting um, thoughts when it comes to coaching. He was successful in Jacksonville for a number of years before having, but. Uh, he said he's been very happy with the way that the team has responded to his coaching style. Well, I think that's, uh, you know, when you're new, everything's possible, and we'll see what happens. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Uh, what I can say uh, real briefly is that there's no love lost in Denver, and it's not because he went to the Raiders. Interesting thing, it might as well call out that uh, elephant in the room, there are th- still three coaches in the AFC West that are, have a Denver uh, connection, and and it, it was before uh, Del Rio, it was Allen. So, uh, you know, they've been trying to take Denver's coaching staff with mixed success. I mean, Mike McCoy has been fairly successful. Dennis Allen, not so much. We'll see what Jack Del Rio has. He was somewhere else first. But I think the big complaint about uh, Del Rio from Denver – the the writers and from maybe even the defensive players is that they played they played Denver defense straight up it was very predictable and very straightforward and it didn't change much there was nothing I don't want to say exotic but special about it and there were some very uh, significant mis- mismatches in the Indianapolis game especially with Chris Harris not being played against T Y Hilton it, it seemed like a natural fit whereas they played Aqib Tlaib, and it didn't seem like there was any effort to really tweak the game plan. And and I think a lot of people in Denver at least feel like uh, Jack Del Rio had his foot out the door and was already going, and he's not the only one. So we'll talk about that again. I'm not trying to tease, but it will come up here very shortly. But Del Rio has some success in his background, and we'll see what happens. He he did a good job at first with with Denver, Oakland needs needs to have some consistency put together. I think they have a lot of a lot more in their arsenal than they had two years ago. So I think they're making progress. We'll see. What about the Chargers, Darren? 
I think we lost Darren for a minute there, so I, I'm just going to go ahead and fill in for him and, and you know, say that I, the Chargers. Can you? Oh, I. Do you got can me we have you here. back? Yes, sir. We got the uh, Chargers with five draft picks. I was saying, and they had a couple of uh, big needs. Most notably, you had uh, a running back that uh, had been often injured and very questionable in uh, San Diego. So that was something they were trying to, in a contract year as well, something they are trying to really shore up. Also, uh, they are very thin on their uh, defense of line and the guard position. So, you know, I, I think their big score was Melvin Gordon, the running back that they did get out of Wisconsin, a uh, little stud running back. He struggled a bit in in training camp, but um, they are putting all their eggs in in his basket and uh, plan on him being the blue chipper that is going to to really help them out. They did get a defensive tackle late in round six, uh, Darius Fallon out of Arkansas, and uh, along with that, they uh, they worked a little bit on their linebacking and cornerbacks. They got two linebackers, Perryman and Emmanuel and uh, cornerback Craig Mager. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with this uh, small this small draft. The one thing I will say is, you know, their offensive line really should be uh, helpful with Melvin Gordon. They have a huge offensive line, some big studs there. Uh, so it will be interesting. But they are going through a lot of, of uh, off-the-field issues amongst other things. What can you tell me about uh, the offensive line and also the off-the-field issues? Well, let's start with the offensive line just to flesh that out. I mean, they did sign Orlando Franklin from Denver, a free agent. He was the the left guard for Denver, and he's kind of a road grader. He is not the best pass blocker, but he can get down to business, and he's a try-hard guy. And what I will say, again, is that there's a connection. Mike McCoy was a coach in Denver, knows um, Orlando Franklin, and apparently liked him well enough. And so you're right. They have a monstrous line. They re-signed King Dunlap. So this is a one of the biggest lines in the NFL. We'll see what comes out of it because uh, big can be not only intimidating and just bullying, but also, um, you know, I've seen big lines that haven't performed well together. So we'll see what happens. You're right. They still have to sort a few things out on that line. Um Let's go over to to the off the field issues, and okay, we'll talk you, a little let bit let about. Let me ask you one. Well, let me ask you one quick question about the team, real quick. Uh, as you as we've talked about the offensive line, you know what about uh, lining up against this uh, this receiving core? Keenan Allen, Stevie Johnson, Malcolm Floyd, Jacoby Jones, and uh, Ladarius Green until Antonio Gates comes back. They are just stacked at the receiver uh, and tight end positions. You know, I think they are, and and they. You're right. Um, hmm. As I think about that, though, let's be honest. Keenan Allen is he has the potential to be a number one, but in my book, he is not a number one yet. You look at his sophomore year, and you can always say, "Well, it was a sophomore year." People regress a little bit. I disagree. I think that we'll see what he does coming out of training camp, but people were on to him after his after his uh, freshman year, his, his rookie season. They knew he had potential, but they didn't know how much. And I think he surprised a lot of teams. In the second year, teams were up, up for it and knew he was coming. Malcolm Floyd, again, don't think he's a true number one. And so you have some really talented guys. 
Stevie uh, Stevie also is, is a really talented guy, but I'm not sure he's the number one as well. Uh, but you're right. It, it poses a challenge to most teams. And the interesting thing is when you look around the division, that might give you a little bit of an, in, uh, an input as to why the Chiefs felt it was so important to get two cornerbacks in the draft and felt it was really important to work on their defensive backfield. Denver, well, Denver didn't have to go and get anybody because they already had Aqib Tlaib, Chris Harris. Uh, they have um, Roby, Bradley Roby, Roby, and they also have Kayvon Webster. And so uh, they're pretty stout there. So that will be an interesting battle between some of these teams. Denver obviously has a lot of receiving weapons we can talk about. But I think for the rest of the NFL that doesn't play in this division – Man, it's going to be a real challenge. And now you have a back that should be a real threat to just be a pounder as well as be nimble. And then you switch off with Danny Woodhead. I think the Chargers have a lot of talent on offense this year. Let's see what the defense can do. Off field, you know, they're talking about everything's Carson, Carson, Carson. Uh, all, All roads point to Carson. San Diego has jumped in late in the game trying to, uh, to save the team, but uh, you know, you you have a uh, a San Diego Charger team that is not even negotiating the system with the city. They refuse to sit down. Carmen Policy is uh, the former San Francisco 49er great is on the record as saying that this would create a mega market from San uh, from Santa Barbara to the Mexican border for this team. So you know, uh, yeah lined up Kiefer Sutherland to do the voiceover on the recent uh, video that they released. If you guys want to take a look at that, we'll have that posted up on the Facebook page, the AFC West show Facebook page right after the show. You can go there and check it out. But, uh, you know, every single, uh, every single thing is pointing to these chargers leaving. Well, I've got to, you know, I've got to, I've got to be the dissenting voice on this, not just to balance and and have some discourse back and forth, but I would have said that too. I think it depends what day you listen to the local radio and what day you listen to the team or the local government. Um, One day they're gone, there's no chance. As a matter of fact, they already have the trucks parked in a hidden camouflage location waiting to just load things up. The next day it comes back that, you know, uh, there's a lot of problems in Carson. And as a matter of fact, there's no proof that Carson is going to get done. And so I've also heard that there's not a lot of lo- – as much as Dean Spanos has been a great NFL soldier, there's not a lot of, of – um, I don't know if love's the right word, but a lot of will to have them be the team to move there. I think the Rams still – Kroenke has a lot better chance than the Chargers, but we'll see. It's a day-to-day thing, and it's got to be tearing out the hearts of Charger fans. Well, let's move on to the uh, last team here in this first week of the AFC West show. Follow us during the week AFC, at AFC West show, also on Facebook, AFC West show, and hit up the webpage, afcwestshow.com. Daryl, the Denver Broncos, they were stocked with draft picks a whole ton. You know, their needs uh, were fairly straightforward. Offensive line, defensive line, and a safety as well to uh, to replace Raheem Moore, who uh, jetted out of out of uh, Denver. You know, what do you think of uh, the Broncos after looking at their uh, 
their draft picks and uh what do you uh what do you have to tell me about uh Denver? Well, yeah, you know, I I think uh, people would have felt that there was even more of a a challenge for Denver on the offensive line if they had known that Ryan Clady would go down in in OTAs. So that wasn't known, and so it was still a bone of contention because that offensive line had been shuffled around and had been a, a weakness. I, I want to step back for just a second and say, look, at, uh, we've been kind of leaking this the whole show, and, and we're getting late in the show, so I'm going to make this very quick. There was a lot of infighting in Denver, and the coaching staff was on a different page from one another. Adam Gase, John Fox ended up together in Chicago Jack Del Rio was ready to get out and get his own coaching job. There were a lot of players that were looking to get paid. And so this team really wasn't playing as a cohesive unit. They were looking out for themselves, and it showed. They just fell apart. Uh, Real quickly, DT got signed, got his money. He's back. He's ready to go, and he looks like he's in phenomenal shape, as does Von Miller. But let's talk a little bit about the draft picks. In the first round, Denver was patient, and they actually ended up moving up, uh, what, what was it, two two spots uh, to go uh, ahead and up, get? Uh, three spots, yeah, from 26 to three 23. Spots to get Shane Ray, and so he was the best guy available. He fell considerably, and they went ahead and grabbed Shane Ray, and now they have one more linebacker that's a pass rusher. Uh, defensive end linebacker, and he's supposed to be really good. He's not a Von Miller. You can't expect that. Von Miller is a second pick in the draft, but he has a lot of promise and may replace DeMarcus Ware next year. We'll see. They didn't need that position, but they did the best the best player available, and, and I think that's admirable. In the second round, they did address the offensive line in a unique way. They took Tyler Sambrilo. And he was a CSU kid. A lot of people didn't know much about him, but he was a real gamer. He fought and was competitive. And when Ryan Clady went down, they actually switched him from right tackle over to left tackle. So he is their starting left tackle, and he's learning on the job. I think the big question mark will be that offensive line and what happens. There have been several shifts. We don't have enough time probably in this show to go through them all. But let's say next week we talk a little bit more about some of the shifts and changes the only person that is still on that offensive line, albeit not in the same job, is um, Louis Vasquez, the former All-Pro, or, or uh, Pro Bowler, I should say. So it's a work in progress. It's very young, and they're hoping that it will be a very physical and go-out-kicking-and-screaming team. You know, that's uh, well said. Uh, both uh, Tyler Samprilo and Max Garcia, who has moved into the starting center, but uh, both were from this draft class. And one of those things you mentioned and, and that really upset uh, upset John Elway was the fact that, uh, that John Fox and his crew did not do a good job at developing the talent that had been drafted. Uh, you know, some of that Cody Latimer was one of the, uh, one of those players. Part of it was his fault. He said that he was w- way behind last year, but at the same time, uh, you know, they didn't take the time to develop the players and put the time in. One of the reasons why they brought in this uh, regime with Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison amongst others. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting because they've taken a very young group of, uh, of offensive linemen, put them together. On the defensive side, we saw some young players really step up last week. One of the uh, standouts uh, in, 
Ananuki, he is uh, is experiencing some knee issues, uh, swelling on the knee, and he's going to go ahead and have his knee scope tomorrow, so I'll be interesting to see what happens. He was going to be one of the uh, big uh, people to come and, and step in in the absence of uh, Derek Wolf, with him being out, along with uh, Sylvester uh, Williams and, and Malik Jackson that will have to step up and then uh, kind of take – up some of the slack. So that'll be a, a bit of an, an issue and we'll wait to see what happens on that. Uh, next week, I will be focusing on, on two main teams in the division the week after that, two more teams. Daryl, what can you tell me about the, uh, the games this weekend in the last uh, little bit, any game that you're really looking forward to? Well, real quickly, before we, we go off, I do want to say that we don't talk about kicking very often, but in Denver, the, the kicking competition is heated up, and we'll talk more about that. But I do want to say that it was featured on ESPN. Uh, one of the Denver kickers kicked a 70-yard field goal in practice uh, against uh, 11-11 drill, and then the other one followed up with a 65-yarder. And so it is in that high air, but there's – there's balls flying all over Denver, I guess you could say. So <laughs> you don't really talk about the kicking competition that much. Uh, I do want to say that we have Seattle at Kansas City coming up on Friday, and that'll be interesting. Seattle played a tough game uh, in Seattle against Denver. Um, Denver will play at Houston on Saturday, and Oakland will play at Minnesota on Saturday. And finally, we have San Diego at Arizona on Saturday. And I believe, if my memory serves me right, Kansas City won, Denver won, and San Diego won. Did, did Oakland win? Am I missing that one? You know, I, I would have to check out the results again. Let me uh, let me quickly uh, look at my schedule here. You know, uh, it was boy, against LA, uh, and I just can't remember which team won. I'm sorry. You know, the Raiders ended up beating 18 to three over St. Louis there so all right uh, that was the so I was backwards on that one I I didn't catch that whole game but I did see the first little bit um so all four AFC West teams won in in the first week it's preseason but we'll see what happens Darren I'm going to flip it back to you and wrap it up you know uh I think it's uh, going to be a fun season as I said we've got two teams uh, next week two teams Uh, the last week that we'll feature. And with that, then, we will make our season predictions. As always, Daryl, it's been fun getting going again. Looking forward to an exciting season. AFC West Show is available on iTunes, also on Twitter, at AFC West Show, and Facebook, AFC West Show. Daryl, looking forward to a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, to all the fans out there, good night, and thanks for joining us. It is your show. We'll talk to you next week and take calls.